A Speculation on English History by Anonymous for the LibriVox Coffee Break Collection 10 War and Conflict This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Speculation on English History by Anonymous from the gentleman's magazine for the librivox coffee break collection ten war and conflict like other unhappy folk who are habitually immured in smoky london we now and then get tired of our prison and we then break away for a brief season unluckily but too truly habits are not changed as easily as places and old occupations soon reassert their sway we have left black-letter chronicles and more formidable-looking close rolls and patent rolls and ministers accounts behind us and we think that we have forgotten them for the first day or two of our saunters on the beach or our brisk walks over the green uplands it is quite a mistake however grim historical figures quickly begin to people the scene and forgetting that we have come out for a holiday we are soon mentally at least as busy as ever but as some little counterpoise we now and then manage to make the historical study to which we incline take somewhat of a shadowy imaginative form it is work and that of no light kind in many instances to discover the real course of events so much are the received narratives coloured by passion or prejudice but it is a pleasant and perhaps not quite an unprofitable exercise of the fancy to speculate how different might have been the course of history if only the victors and the vanquished had changed places now and then and the halters and the crowns had been fitted to other necks and heads than they really were a stroll on deal beach lately threw us into a reverie of this kind concerning a skirmish little known to fame that once occurred there as professor creasy has not included it among his fifteen decisive battles of the world will our readers consider it with us our regret is that we cannot communicate to them the bright sun the gay-coloured flowers the brisk breeze and the indescribable feeling of enjoyment which the seashore always has for us and which we trust they will realise for themselves ere this glorious summer-tide passes away we were at sandwich once the great kentish seaport but now how changed and a morning even brighter than usual caused us to prolong our early walk to the border of old ocean the tract we traversed was half marsh half sandhill yet to our eyes it had both interest and beauty shallow pools half filled with handsome flowering plants and alternating with hillocks of the most vivid green perhaps indicated the site of caesar's naval camp at least local antiquaries have said so behind us was the great norman church tower of st clement which has survived the castle and the town walls how often churches do before us the heaving sparkling bright blue sea and on its margin sundry unpicturesque coastguard stations these are mostly placed within the circuit of batteries commenced but never finished 
some sixty years ago to resist that french invasion which has never come yet of one of these batteries the wall was not much above a yard high though five times as thick and there we paused to admire its covering of herbage and wild flowers our botanical knowledge being speedily exhausted we seated ourselves on a hillock and glancing seaward we soon fell into a daydream a man-of-war steamer and its ugly trail of smoke on the verge of the horizon did not belong to the fifteenth century any more than the battery by which we sat but these forgotten for the moment probably there was very little difference in the aspect of deal beach from what it presented on the second day of july fourteen ninety five just three hundred and sixty-eight years ago the following day then presented a wondrous change such a change as we trust shall not fall on our sea-girt isle in our time at least a fleet from flanders came into the downs and it was laden according to a chronicler who wrote under the tudors with a great army of valiant captains of all nations some bankrupts some false english sanctuary men some thieves robbers and vagabonds of this rabblement of knaves as hall calls them a few landed and announced that their leader richard of york had come to recover his inheritance from the usurping henry tudor the kentish men according to the same authority at first hesitated what to do but at length we record it with grief for we love kent they made up their minds and acted basely by fair promises and friendly words there lured no small force on shore and when they had drawn them near to sandwich the trained bands of the town assailed them killed many drove others to their ships and took one hundred and sixty-nine prisoners who being delivered to sir john peachy the sheriff of kent were by him brought to london railed in ropes like horses drawing in a cart transferred at the bridge foot to the care of nicholas olwyn and john warner the sheriffs tried off-hand and all executed their chief had meanwhile returned to flanders and was thus reserved for many strange chances and changes before his own career was terminated in like manner there is a sort of contagion in success which when we first hear of a battle lost and won leads us to identify ourselves with the victors and to have small regard for the vanquished but in time more generous feelings take possession of our minds we can afford to pity those to whom dame fortune has proved adverse and we may perhaps discover that victory is not an infallible test of right such at least was the train of thought into which we fell on the scene of this attempt to reduce the fortunate but innately base henry of richmond from a king to a fugitive we were ready to believe that hall's unflattering description of the supporters of the false duke might be true in the main but we thought it might be equally applicable to richmond's host at bosworth of the fight among the sand-hills we know nothing but the result as related by the victors and that his worship william salmon the mayor of sandwich was duly thanked for his exertions had the day however gone otherwise what a number of crimes richard of gloucester would have escaped 
he certainly would not have been charged with the murder of more than one nephew and we probably should never have been taught to believe that he poisoned his wife procured the death of his brother clarence defamed his own mother or shed the blood of the young lancastrian prince at tewkesbury or of his father in the tower indeed the cloudy rhetoric of rouse of warwick as well as the learning of sir thomas more and the genius of shakespeare might probably have been employed in celebrating the virtues of the house of york then how widely different it may be assumed would the course of events have been under the re-established dynasty what different names in the peerage for the successful knaves of course would have been ennobled the reformation would doubtless have been in time brought about as dislike of rome's assumed power was deeply seated as well as widely spread long before but we can hardly believe that it would have been accompanied by so many ills as the headstrong self-will rapacity and cruelty of henry the eighth imported into it looking before us we see the tasteless round tower of sandown and remembering that it and similar disfigurements were raised from the ruin of such piles as fountains and revo and netley and bewley we execrate the memory of their spoiler and feel that we do him no wrong when we pronounce him as deficient in love for the beautiful as he notoriously was in honour gratitude and kindly feeling utterly absorbed in self he found gratification in gorgeous pageants where he formed the principal figure but such a spirit has a natural antipathy to goodness and greatness and beauty and whatever of these came within his power was marred to a wilderness hence it is no wonder to find him cast aside his broken tools murder his wives and delight to hold the lives not only of his people but of his very children at his absolute disposal at least we have hitherto believed that he did so and our belief is not quite subverted by the ingenious if not ingenuous pleadings of a recent writer who has laboured with more zeal than success to overthrow all previous opinions regarding bluff hal and has edified the world by depicting him as the pattern of every virtue his glory slightly very slightly dimmed by his not being a very attentive husband for he was a prodigy of learning a first-rate man of business and so had not time for the ordinary courtesies of life but au contraire he was religious merciful patient humble-minded temperate in all his pleasures and chaste surely a sufficient catalogue of excellences to excuse his breaking the heart of one wife divorcing another menacing a third with the stake and sending two more to the block as we have said we will not carry our speculation so far as to suppose the reformation other than inevitable even though richard the fourth had been crowned at westminster and royally tombed at windsor and the house of tudor had never been heard of but probably its course would have presented many points of difference the wealth of the monastic orders might have led to their suppression as it had been fatal to the templars before them even though they had not been personally obnoxious to the sovereign as the champions of an injured queen hence we may presume that the steps taken against them would have been more moderate 
the country would not have lost so many of its noblest edifices and the contest between the holders of the new and the old opinions might not have proceeded to the extremity of beheading or burning such men as moore and cranmer thus no pilgrimage of grace no northern rebellion no spanish armada no gunpowder plot possibly no civil war no revolution would have a place in english history but the admirer of genius may probably think there would be cause of regret had shakespeare not depicted such a character as his richard the third and it is true that the portraits he has drawn though it is abundantly evident that many of them are mere political caricatures have become part and parcel of our history so that as a matter of taste we could not reconcile ourselves to part with them but would not the varied career of richard the fourth have furnished as noble a field for the display of thoughts that breathe and words that burn let us picture to ourselves the young princes in the tower one dying but the living conveyed away instead of the dead by the devotion of some holy priest the wanderings of the royal boy for many years as unknown in foreign lands his recognition by the friends of his house the treacherous watchings of clifford its hereditary foe and other spies the deaths of fitzwalter and stanley the firm attachment of a more humble friend john water the beauty the love of lady catherine gordon a victory a triumphant entry into london a coronation the son of york again in the ascendant fancy these painted in such colours as shakespeare alone could use and who can doubt that as glorious a drama as any that have proceeded from his pen would have immortalized the strange eventful history of one now condemned by defeat to bear the brand of an impostor and never perhaps to be rescued from the tudor imposed nickname of perkin warbeck another glance at sandown a charitable thought for colonel hutchinson and others who pined and died there and we rouse ourselves for the everyday life of the nineteenth century end of a speculation on english history by anonymous for the librivox coffee break collection ten war and conflict 1870-1973